hear me now. Welcome to episode 21 of True Cult Pop. The uh, It's not a reggae podcast. It is this week. It's a music podcast. It's me, Stephen Hill, Irie One Love, joining me as ever, bogling away in the background there. It's only Mr. Sam Slight, very much the pliers to my Chakademus. How are you doing, Sam? Uh, I'm very well, thank you, Steve. Very well indeed. Uh, Stephen Junior Gong Hill, as I think we should call you yes. from now on, with your Definitely. affinity for Rastafari. Yeah, we'll get into this a little bit later on. If you're listening, go, well, what, what are you on about? Well, we're going to explain more. There's more reggae on this week's show than there's ever been on any of the shows that we've done, I think. And we Although, covered a Boogie Banton album. We did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although... Still probably not enough mm. reggae, really. Is it really? Not really. But I mean, I don't know if you want to plug it now. I don't know if you want to plug it at all. But uh, Steve, in your extracurricular activity, you have been discussing reggae, which has been nice. Yeah, well, that, that we're going to get to that in a little bit. Don't, you know, don't, don't blow my beans. Around and yeah, I'll yeah. tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because if you want, I'll tell you, I'll tell you he does a good reggae podcast. Pop, collaborate and listen. Anyway, oh. we'll get to them in a little yeah. bit. Um, listen, if you are paying attention to our socials oh before we go on, we should say this week on the show we're going to be talking about the brits of course we are Lovely. we're going to be talking about expensive t-shirts oh, from french heavy God. metal bands Wankers. and we're going to be reviewing new music from paramore from caroline polacek and from jessica winter if you want to uh help us out financially yeah. you can do that go over to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop we're not just about taking. We'll give you something for it. Sign up for any amount. Suggest an album. We'll do a podcast about said album. Coming this week, we are going to be talking about Deadwing by Porcupine Tree. Mm. The prog metal, dare I say it, classic from Stephen Wilson's crew. I'd say so. Yeah, I mean... I think so. Spoiler alert, listeners. There was a discussion towards the end where we were like, oh, <laughs> this could have been a classic album, actually. Not just in terms of quality, but there's enough of a story around it. So uh, a really, really interesting chat and an absolutely fantastic band. It was really nice for me, especially to revisit Deadwing, because as I said at the top of it, I always kind of considered it in in what I think is, you know, pretty well established as Porcupine Tree's classic run of four. I always thought it was my least favourite, but um, yeah, I've had to slightly revise that Ooh. opinion, I think. I uh, See, I definitely didn't, and I had mm. my, my feelings heavily confirmed yeah locked in lead lined locked in that fucking what a great record fantastic record so go over to patreon.com for slash true cop pop if you listen to this podcast today it comes out it'll be out tomorrow uh the saturday that is if you want days of the week it's just Whatever. a calendar rhetoric so it's a calendar rhetoric if you want to sign up for the five pound a month tier two classic albums a month the first one of this month was the mighty Gwen Stefani. That's mm. still up for you to listen to. Hope you all enjoyed that, those of you who listened. But next week, something altogether more serious, I think. We're going to be talking about David Bowie on the classic album for the first time ever. And we're starting at the end mm. with Black Star. Yeah, uh, definitely going to be a kind of tonal counterpart to the fun and frivolity of Gwen Stefani talking about an album that... Um, I mean, deals heavily in the morose uh, in ways that I don't think anyone had, well, certainly never really done before. And I don't think anyone's managed since, but don't want to spoil the kind of the crux of it all. But basically, an mm. incredible album that, you know, I remember listening to it at the time and went a fair few years without revisiting. And uh, my, well, my sort of listening tastes and um, 
my knowledge of music has changed quite a lot and it casts it in a very very new light so i'm really looking forward to that chat that's going to be a good one me too me too i'm very much looking forward to it and before that one comes out we probably will reveal what the next four classic albums are going to be Tease me by oh, Academia some pliers. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but we, we haven't fully decided officially properly yet, but I think, I mean, there's one that if we do do, it will be gigantic. Mm. It will be gigantic. It will be best ever halftime show at the Super Bowl big. Yeah. Is what we're talking about, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, like I say, go over to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop and sign up for all of that extra curricular content over there. And also we do have officially now properly a sister podcast which will go up on the same feed as the one that you're listening to this on true crap pop where we are going to be searching for the worst album ever made taking some of the most derided and hated and reviled albums of all time and illa divinimensanus and illa divinimensanus by morbid angel and kind of considering like, do they deserve their reputation how bad are they Wh- which album is the worst one if you're going oh that sounds like a familiar idea yeah it is it's an idea <laughs> that i've already had and done <laughs> loads of stuff towards um and then i'd hijacked but anyway it's fine i don't i'm not I, i'm not, not angry bitter, or, don't care i'm not bitter or angry about that at all i am the better one aren't i <laughs> and so that's fine um but we've uh, we just basically we changed the name. I stuck Sam in. We needed someone to laugh at my jokes. Yeah. That's essentially the role of the other person, isn't it? And um, we took the ranking that we had from mm. the previous version of this, and this week we put a podcast up where we re-ranked those bad albums. Don't sing musicians. Mass- it sounds bad. <laughs> don't don't sing Faroe Brown. Sounds bad. <laughs> I mean that really uh, does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So. Like spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to it, do go and listen to it because it was it was a mighty lot of fun talking about pretty much every crap album we can think of. Yeah, but it didn't change hugely. But there is a little bit of I'm going to say it, and a, a few of you have tweeted me and messaged me and gone justice for one hot minute. Delighted, you delighted might, to have you might all justice. be happy. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah, justice for one hot minute, and it's happened. Mm. So there you go, um, Muse. Revelation is it called Simulation Theory? Simulation Theory. Theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simulation Theory by Muse. That should be coming into your ears at some point quite soon. I hope. Yeah, I mean, um, as as we talked about in the uh, episode zero of True Crowd Pop, basically the reason it has taken a little bit of time. We're not just going to save it for special holidays. I mean, although Yom Kippur is coming up, so maybe time mm. it. For oh, that. I love yeah, Yom yeah. Kippur. Oh, big I, time, big time. I haven't just heard that word and am now <laughs> pretending that I know what it is. Not at all. Uh, I definitely so, know what that is. Oh, you god, oh, you big joker. But yeah, we'll get it out as soon as we can. <laughs> it's just um, yeah, scheduling because um, when you got two people doing a podcast who have jobs it can be quite difficult to find the time but we really enjoy yeah. doing it and you know crap pop is going to be really really fun and nice to have a little vent as well because obviously we like to talk about good music the rest of the time so it's nice to bully people like ba- matt bellamy basically we have just to say how much we we want that to be the yang to the ying um of this podcast is we have actually just as we started recording this is our second go at recording this podcast because we actually were going to review a third album this week and we well, dropped fourth, it out because yeah. we were like a fourth yeah, sorry yeah, yeah we're going to drop a fourth album this week and we actually dropped it out because we were like we're probably not going to be that nice about it so what's the point of yeah. just being horrible about it so let's just drop it out completely so this is where all the positive energy goes and with that in mind sam <laughs> this week i have been very positive you have because i have mostly been listening to 
Chakademus and Pliers, Na Better Na Day. An album track. Yeah, you heard me. An album. I could have picked Tease Me. I could have picked Gal Wine. I could have picked... The one about beating a woman who's had an abortion. What's that I, one? I no. probably wouldn't have picked that. No, probably uh, not. Murder, Murder She Wrote. That's their biggest song yeah. on Spotify, by the way. Quite quite a big margin as well. It's their biggest song. Mm. So Chakademus and Pliers were part of the mid-90s reggae revival that we all, all of us of a certain age hold so dear to our chest. Are you aware of this mid-90s reggae revival aside from like a couple of songs, Sam? Uh, no, aside from a couple of songs, no. I mean, <laughs> um, when, when you were talking about well, it. Well, on... you're going to get one of them every week <laughs> for about the next six months. So oh, okay. oh, only six. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I'm aware of it in terms of it's a thing that happened, but I haven't heard, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the music from it. I mean, when I think of kind of reggae revival and that kind of cod reggae naffness, basically I know Shaggy and I know his his two singles that kind of you know were pretty big that's about it really and like listening to um your, your good self and dave and krista on pop collaborating listen talk about it i was like thank god i was born in 1994 that's all i can say i got to miss all that you? dross so this week yeah i went off i did do a little bit of extracurricular activity and it's just gone up if you go and find pop collaborate and listen wherever you find your podcast wherever you listen to this podcast you'll be able to find them as well i love those guys dave and krista they basically um you know dave is on the the end of year show that we did last year both really top blokes really really funny the podcast they do essentially is reviewing every single number one album from the 90s and they very kindly uh, <laughs> have invited me on twice once to talk about my favorite band ever and once to talk about zeropa by u2 so they got me on to talk about tease me the uh the number one album by chakademus and pliers like they were a big deal chakademus and pliers and i just sort of tweeted them going you know sometimes i listen to chakademus and pliers just for my own enjoyment and i think it might have been krista controlling who the twitter who was just like you're a fucking really weird you're a weird dude you're a, oh, really, yeah. you're a really weird dude and i went yeah that's quite accurate but i had never listened to the album before now it's not all great i'm not going to deny it but it's track three it's track three on the record so you start with a couple of big banging singles everyone knows tease me and then she don't let nobody another massive tune from the time i mean it's not one of their best but you know it has got do you want me to do it go on only yeah. me alone keep on the girl mine only me alone make the love light shine fucking that i like that bit yeah uh just chakademus being the main man and then track three came in which i hadn't heard before now better than a day and this is a fucking tune, Sam. It's about the it's about the the joy of working hard, yeah, striving for to achieve greatness in your life. Which you know, who better to tell you that than Chakademus and or and or Pliers, Mister yeah. Mister Pliers? Uh, I think it is a delightful little song. Um, if you want to be a doctor, got to work for it, etc. Mm. etc. Et what did you think of it? I'm I'm cannot wait to hear your thoughts <laughs> on <laughs> this fucking song uh well for a start I'm, i didn't realize and um, i think you probably did say it on the pop collaborate and listen uh, episode that you're on but i didn't realize that you'd only heard this song for the first time recently because i mean certainly for me like this is the first time but uh, as we record today i've listened to it about five times this morning partly out of a kind of stupefaction but i'll be honest did you listen to that and then listen to welcome to jam rock by i Daniel did yeah, yeah, yeah. Do absolutely like did, compare yeah. and contrast yeah good yeah of course i did yeah i mean strange bedfellows <laughs> but you know what else are you gonna do um you know what, Steve? You know what? 
I don't think this is very good, but I do really like it. I do really like it. I think it's... They're it's the best ones, aren't they? Daft as anything, it is that kind of sanitised, I suppose... I'm loath to call it cod reggae because I think, you know, Jack Demons and Pliers clearly do know their onions with what they're doing, even though it's a very, very basic pop sort of mainstream sensible form of it mm, but cod and onions that's what i'm having for lunch ooh, i think mm, ooh, lovely cod and on, cod and onions mm. god i'm not coming to overton blimey but um yeah i i don't think there's anything actually wrong with this song uh, and weirdly i think from a production standpoint i can't tell if it has dated or if we're just at that kind of cyclical point in music where some of this sounds quite good again because i actually think the warmth of the bass tone that they've got it sounds pretty good. I like listening to it. It's got a nice little sort of bounce and flow to it. I do think the, it's not even a problem, but there's sort of glaring, I don't know, point for me where I'm like, am I laughing? It's not a problem. Whatever you're about to say, okay. it's not a problem. I'm sure, so just, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, well, the glaring point in it, and I suppose it's only a problem in that when I first listened to it, it's like, am I laughing at this? And is that cruel of me? But actually, no, I think I am laughing with it to an extent. It's Shakademus's little ad libs all the way through the tick down, tick it on, yeah. all the way through. Yeah, brilliant. That, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, I think it's a pretty good song. And as you say, I do admire Shaka and or Demas and or Pliers' um, positive message of applying yourself into, um, you know, a kind of uh, a line of work that you feel passionate about. I think he'd be a good spokesperson mm-hmm. for the apprenticeship scheme because, as we know, I mean, <laughs> come on. Let's face it, a ghetto education is basic. Just walk around, if you want to be a lawyer, got to work, work for, for it, it. Yeah, work yeah. hard. Mr. Pliers and you GCSE dropout students, work yeah, hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd like yeah, that. I, think that'd I be would good. say, for all of you out there who are going, hmm, I've not heard this song before, and I imagine there's one or two of you. Or 99% of you. All of you. If you haven't heard this song before, definitely listen to it. I would recommend listening to it whilst sat in the presence of Dave and Krista. Because... <laughs> Undoubtedly, you will sort of be grinning along with Dave, who will be bogling, and Krista... Will have his head in his uh, hands, presumably. That's what he sounded like. Just look quite sad. Just look <laughs> like, oh. like Ben... Doing that Ben Affleck face. Oh, right, you know, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Ben Affleck meme where he's like... Uh, that was Krista, I think, really did not get any enjoyment out of it. No. I think being with someone who... Does it ganging up on someone who's not having a good time? I know this from being stood in the crowd at Elstorm at right, Download. Okay. That when you're in the crowd and everyone's having a good time and you're hating it, it it just makes you hate it even more. Um, but then if you're the one enjoying it, you enjoy the fact that they're hating it even more. So that would be for me the best way to enjoy this song. Mm. But however you choose to do it, do it. Do it. Chakademas I mean, and Pliers. No better than I did. No better than I did. Oh. And go listen to the Pop Club Listen episode with me on it. Well, all of their episodes, actually, but mm. particularly the ones with, with uh, me on it because... They're the best. I'm, I'm, yeah, talk, I'm talking about Chakademas and Pliers, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, so yeah. And so are they. So what could be better? What could be better, Sam? Can you think of anything better than that? Oh, um, I mean, no, but I think a close second would probably be yeah. uh, the first single from Gojira's six album, Magma, uh, the song Stranded. Um, so... I'll give you that. Where... <sighs> Stranded. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. So... Obviously, I think this is a song that basically everyone who's listening is going to know, unless there are any rabid Shakademus and Pliers fans who have found this podcast just to hear you talk about No Better Than Our Day. Um, both of them. Stranded is obviously incredible. I think the stomp on it um, is just 
seismic. I cannot wait. So the reason that I've been listening to this so much is that I'm going to see Gojira on the Tuesday after we've after this goes out. I can't fucking wait. I've been waking so long to see them. Um, I mean, like so many bands because of uh, lockdown and the COVID-19 mm-hmm. pandemic and everything, but especially armed with that new material. But I mean, Stranded is going to be a highlight because the muscular tautness of it and the simplicity of it, especially with that whammy pedal, it's just everything that I love about Gojira. And they're able to go from that absolute brutal savagery in the verses to that quite clean sort of melodic bridge to the final, well, the final big riff at the end. I think it's perfect. It's one of my favourite Gojira songs. I'd say I probably just have it under the gift of guilt for like the, the, the podium. It might just get the silver medal for me. Great song. But I think, well, the reason I wanted to talk about it beyond it just being brilliant, I do want to hear your thoughts, is I vividly remember the first time I heard this song, which is, uh, so it's when I was living in the Netherlands. I was in Rotterdam at the time uh, and I was listening to a certain other podcast that you may have been part of. Uh, where mm-hmm. you and your co-host were talking about life this. in the stocks. Yeah, 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 that that's one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, wasn't it? Uh, what was his name? Gil, something like that. Oh, I don't know. Gil. Yeah, he was talking yeah. about uh, jungle, and then you said, "Oh, the new Gojira is going to be really good as well." <laughs> but I remember there being reference to the the idea that the next Gojira album was going to be a bit more stripped back in terms of the technicality and a lot more stompy. And I thought, "Oh, I'm up for a bit of that." And I was at a house party with some of my uh, university classmates. And I got this iTunes notification to say, Gojira just released a new song. And I basically went, oh, guys, sorry, I've oh, got to go. And I just went and I walked um, the half hour across Rotterdam City Centre just listening to Stranded on repeat. A little bit tipsy. And so probably shouting out the lyrics as I was sort of getting a grasp on them and scaring the local patrons. But my God, I, I remember that night so vividly because Stranded blew me away from first listen. I think it's an all-time fucking metal banger. I think at this point it is, yeah. yeah. I think at this point you would put it in the canon of truly, truly iconic metal songs, certainly of the new millennium. Easy. I'm going to yeah, go yeah. back to new millennium because I think, you know, obviously you, there's stuff like, if you say the last 10 years, there's not actually loads, you know, like I suppose Square Hammer and this. I mean, Square Hammer would probably be the only one that I like more in terms of like, metal like bangers basically i think square hammer is yeah. just an unbelievable song but yeah i mean really if you're going to millennium you're picking like you think about like Shop toxicity Suey. yeah absolutely yeah and you know sort of one step closer and rolling and my last serenade and stuff like that mm. and i genuinely think it's probably the equal of i mean it's better than some of those songs to be fair but like yeah. in terms of it being like uh when it comes on and people go ah yeah, yeah, yeah. gajira aren't as big as any of those bands I've just mentioned, but actually they're bigger than Kill Switch Engage now, aren't they? Oh, yeah, but, definitely, um, yeah. But they're, they're not as big but, as your systems or Limp Biscuits or anything like that. Obviously, no, no, they no, no. So. Linkin Park, no, they're not. But they are fucking mahoosive and this has pretty much become, I think, their most, maybe their most recognisable song. I'm pretty sure I'm it. Sure. it I, don't, I think it's the biggest song. I'm going to check it on Spotify. I think it is their biggest song on Spotify, actually, yeah. Yeah, by quite some distance as well. Silvera is second and that has 48,879,189 plays. Stranded has 80,148,243 plays. So you're looking at more than 30 million. Mm. Oh, the, hold, I'm going to keep this in because I've got a delivery. Keep going. Talk more about Gojira, Sam. I'm I'll sure talk more about Gojira. Well, I wouldn't go that far. But uh, with Stranded as well, one of the other points that I've always sort of 
held on it uh, and basically guys because it's just me i'm just looking at a blank screen so i can say all the nasty things i want oh he's back shit um but <laughs> basically stranded i think should have been gojira's pick for the grammy in 2016 and then i would have been even more upset that megadeth beat them and baroness because i think silver is just not quite up there enough but i think stranded would have been the one so yeah no i i, I mean i didn't hear all of that because the fucking asos woman just delivered a package. Don't worry. You, you missed mind. all the horrible things I said about you, so it's fine. Okay, well... That's and I know fine. you don't I'm edit, so it's fine. <laughs> no, I'll hear it tomorrow <laughs> yeah. when I put it up. Hey, lovely. And then I'll come around your house and bop you on the nose. Oh, now, it's a fucking great song. Is. Absolutely brilliant. And it's got that kind of iconic Gajira pick scrape. Really, really good. I am i don't know if I'm going to go and see them next week because it's in Ali Pali. and it's a pain, isn't it? I really want to go. And I, I've got to get home. It's going to be a fucking stink. I've got to be up for something the next day. So I don't actually know if I'm going to get the chance to go, which is a bit of a bummer because I really, really want to see Gajira. Mm. They're always absolutely incredible live. I spoke to Joe the other day. You did, yes. The heaviest, nice guy. heaviest natter of the universe, I imagine. <laughs> that's the third time I've used that joke this week. It is, and yeah. I've laughed every time. Oh, well, that's you've good. Done them. You, well, I say every time. You text it to me, and I went, ha! Yeah. And then I didn't reply. That's which fine, is, yeah. Tacit approval. But now I'm actually laughing at it. You can hear me at proof that I was laughing at it. They've, they've had a bit of a... I mean, we should maybe talk about the the thing that's happened this week, yeah. right? So there is... I'm not going to say who the guy is because I don't think he's anyone who's like uh, representing an organisation at all. He's just a bloke who happened to see that Kajira were selling merch for fairly expensive price and to be, um, fair, said, to be fair to the bloke i would say he wasn't doing it in an antagonistic way he was more no. just sort of asking the question it's like is this kind of normal this seems quite a lot to me and then obviously because it's twitter it's kind of spiraled into discourse in capital letters yes so yeah so 40 quid for a standard t-shirt at the gajira gig tonight i know times are tough for touring bands but bloody hell Ulster Hall, this is the key thing this tweet Ulster Hall taking a large cut i'm thinking so i think what this gentleman is tweeting is bloody hell the, these prices are expensive. I imagine that's something to do with the shitty nature of the way that merch venues take a merch cut. Now I've said this before, and I think actually I did nick this off of um, off of Tim from the Charlatans, mm. uh, but he because he said, "Well, why don't bands take a cut of the bar?" Completely agree. Completely agree. How um, how much money is gonna, oh, yeah. like Brixton O2 Brixton going to make if there's no one playing it? Like no one's going to go there for a casual drink, no, are they? No well, I know it's closed at the moment. Yeah. Oh god, that's a bad example. But any venue, yeah. any O2 venue, for example, how much money they're mm. actually going to make in their venues if there aren't bands playing it? So why the fuck should they be creaming off the top of these touring bands who are being worked to the bone anyway? And to be honest, the crux for me of all this is yeah, merch prices are higher, gig tickets are higher because people have let music become a free commodity, and so bands are basically just going to die on their ass if they don't have. Any any way to make money it's not a joke when bands say oh we're touring t-shirt salesmen that's what mm. they are now that's the only way they can actually make this profitable but anyway steve sorry yeah. go on i'm getting on my soapbox no yeah well i think that's fine i mean look uh, this actually is something that i so i i've got i've not got much official band merchandise right mm. because i i actually want to look nice yeah fair like i actually want to dress well i know a lot of people who like sort of alternative music, mm. they just want to show how much they like Slayer. So they'll wear any ill-fitting, terrible, badly made, badly sort of fit piece of crap. They'll buy an XXXXXL Metallica hoodie and not think they look like a walking compost heap, right, when <laughs> they do. And, but, so, but I don't really wear much official band merch because it comes from those fucking guildian stuff and that mm. fruit of the loom stuff saying that 
I bought a Gajira t-shirt when they headlined Bloodstock in 2018. 18, yeah. I want to say. Yeah, they headlined Bloodstock in 2018. And they had a really nice t-shirt with a, you know, a Duplantier drawing on it. And mm. I thought, well, that's nice. I said to the guy, can I see that t-shirt? And he showed it to me. And I saw it was a different make that I had never heard of before in the t-shirt. And I looked at the thing and I was like, oh. And I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to give it a go. And I think that was 35 quid in 2018. Yeah. Right? So, um, so actually, well, two points there. I mean, with band merch, I agree. I mean, most of the Gildan heavy stuff, the Fruit of the Loom stuff, it is horrible. It's boxy. It, it doesn't wear... I wouldn't wear that. No, I mean, it doesn't feel nice to wear anyway. Like, I've got so many Maiden shirts from when I used to go and see them in the sort of noughties and tens and everything that just feel crap to wear. Um, but I think band merch has come quite a long way and as a result of it being really the only way bands can make any money like Converge's merch typically is really really nice to wear really nice fit I've got a quite nice Jamie Lemon shirt on as we speak and you know Mm -hmm. it fits quite well it doesn't feel like one of those boxy horrible like thick cotton shirts or anything Um, but yeah I mean in terms of the price I mean I went to see Depeche Mode in uh, 2017 and yeah that was at the London Stadium so I mean and it's Depeche Mode so they've got a hell of a lot in terms of touring costs but that was 35 quid then as well so i mean the thing is the 40 quid for gojira for the shirts i mean yeah it it is a lot and the thing is if you can't afford it that's absolutely fine and i do hate the idea that people should be priced out of the merch they do want to buy um and i don't really know what the solution is for that i mean basically lars was right wasn't he and we can't put that toothpaste back in the tube of streaming um but with, with Gojira and bands like Converge and stuff like that, you know, they put a lot of effort into their merch and they do source it from, I would imagine, um, you know, as sustainable kind of resources as they can, let alone the quality of the actual make and the fit and everything. So you are probably going to end up having to pay a bit more, which is a shame, you know, for, for people who do want it. But that's where we well, are. Well, my, my, my point regarding my own personal Gojira t-shirt is when this all kicked off, I'd actually, the day before I was wearing it, Mm. I'd actually put it on and my girlfriend, oh, I really like that T-shirt. And I was like, yes, yeah, it's a band shirt, but it fits me. It actually fucking fits me. And mm. it costs 35 quid. And I don't mind paying that. For, like you pay a little bit extra for the fact that it's a Gajira shirt. You know, like <sighs> I've got some, like, I'm not saying I've got incredibly expensive tasting clothes because I think you can go to, like people will shit on H&M and Top Man. You get great stuff in H&M. And stuff yeah. like. But H&M is really good. Like the yeah, fit, like, yeah. I wish whoever makes fucking H&M's t-shirts, like when H&M were doing band merch, the, the best time, it was the, that was the glory years, you know, like fucking amazing. Like they had really, really good fits mm. and they've just like binned it off now and you have to buy a fucking Mario or a like <laughs> that one of the things from Monsters Inc. on the front of it. And it's like, I'm a grown man. I don't want this on it. Like, and you go downstairs, it's like, oh, a sublime t-shirt for a girl. Great. Like, why can't I have that? Why can't you put that in men's instead of being like, oh, Nintendo, like you fucking Minecraft. I don't want that. I want a fucking band t-shirt, you fuckers. So the alternative is you go and you get kind of, you you pay more money for official band merch and it doesn't even look as good. Like Mm. it's not as good. So I just wouldn't buy a band t-shirt. I I just would not go. I, I don't even look at the merch stands anymore. I just don't even look at them. I've got absolutely no interest. I wouldn't wear one. I just wouldn't wear it. I know it's going to be a shit fit. What's the fucking point? Um, But I think something is worth what you're willing to pay for it. I mean, we said this in the Gwen, when we were talking about Gwen Stefani on the Gwen mm. Stefani special, like something it's worth whatever you're willing to pay for it is what it's worth like people i've seen people on the internet 
going, oh, look at the fucking prices for Madonna tickets, like blah, 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 blah. I've bought two very, very, very expensive Madonna tickets, right? And you might go, you're an idiot. You've wasted your money. You've been ripped off. I don't care. I'm going to see Madonna. I don't care. Like, I've always wanted to see Madonna. Now I'm going to see Madonna. Something is only worth what you'll pay for it. And when I saw the prices of, like, the Beyonce tickets, I was like, oh, am I going to see Beyonce? And then I was like, no, fuck that. I'm not, okay, no. I don't like her that much mm-hmm. to pay that amount of money for it. Or, like, the Taylor Swift thing, I'm not going to pay that. And if you literally can't afford it, I mean, I saw somebody go, I took, want to take my kid to see Gajira and it cost me this and I had to buy myself a ticket and I bought them a ticket. Now I'm not even going to be able to afford to buy them a t-shirt. Like, how am I meant to take them to gigs? And it's like, well, mate, you don't have to buy them a t-shirt. Like, you don't, if going to the gig is going to the gig, right? You don't have to buy a t-shirt. I like, it's frustrating when you see something and go, oh, I can't really afford that. Yeah. Like, it sucks, but I can't really afford it. But this is, you know, I don't think this guy was shitting on the band. No, 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 no. That's not But I, I do think... I, I don't think it did. Although some people were taking a pop at Gajira. And I just think, you know, you can't. I mean, stuff like £200 for a drum head is a specialist thing, right? Yeah. A signed drum head. And I saw people like, no shade on the geezer from Gamma Bomb, right? But I saw the guy going, oh, well, we would never do that. Like, that's too much. That's too, that kind of tacky shit. And I'm a bit like, well, look, no offence, mate. You're in Gamma Bomb. No one's going to want it, are they? And also, like, no one wants... No, you're like, this is a Gajira head right this is good i mean you know this is a gajira signed drum head by and, and like Mar- one of the best drummers ever by mario yeah right? and he's this the artist the like- drummer from gamma bomb that no, no one wants that that's why that, that's why you're not selling it as well right that is a specialist thing for people who are drummers and who love gajira mm. and who are interested in drums and who and mario is a hero for that might be something which is really really super specialist very very like the sort of thing they go that's a lot of money but it will mean a lot to me i mean look mate fuck me i paid i mean i paid 150 quid for one minute on vinyl and most people would go you're an absolute (laughs) bellend you're an idiot maybe i am but i'm glad i paid for it like i didn't feel like i was getting ripped off or anything because it was worth that to me so you know like i don't begrudge a band trying to fucking make money if you think they're trying to like this whole thing like oh they're fleecing their fans no no I don't they're only that. fleecing them if you're buying a ticket and then you're being you're having add these added kind of added extras like that's the fleecing saying look we've got this and we can sell it to you for this do you want it yes or no mm. that's not fleecing people no. that's just the way that bands have to make money at the moment yeah absolutely i mean a 40 quid t-shirt like yeah it is expensive for a t-shirt at the end of the day. I mean, to be and the hoodies as well. But then went to see Tool at the O2 last year. The Tool hoodies at the O2 were eighty pounds plus yeah, I mean, as well. It's like everything to do with Tool is expensive. Yeah, and to be fair, most of the Tool stuff shit as well. So I didn't even bother looking yeah. at the merch because their merch designs are crap. Like they are rubbish. Like I care about Tool's music. I don't really care about wearing any of their stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, a forty quid t-shirt. Um, it does suck if you do want it. It does suck. But unfortunately, I mean, that is just. It, it is barrier to entry, which I do think is unfair, but it's not Gajira's fault for it. And I think charging 40 quid for T-shirts is better than doing two and a half thousand pound hospitality meal packages with your gig, isn't it? So, uh, Pretty much, I yeah. I would say so. I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, like like I say, the drumhead thing, it's a specialist. Like, you know, what, what, if you've got no interest in that, why are you even looking at it? Yeah. 
you know, like when when people were buying the, I mean, Tool's a great example. When people were buying it, what was it like, fucking eight hundred quid or something for? Oh, for the signed one, one of the gigs. Grand? Yeah, yeah, it was like eight hundred dollars on the US leg. Yeah, yeah. And people were going, "Oh, Tool are charging eight hundred dollars for their vinyl," and it's like, well, it's not quite that, is it? It's a limited edition, pre-release signed version of a vinyl, mm. which is going to be incredibly incredibly limited edition yeah and limited edition stuff for collectors and the thing is like rock and metal and music fans are collectors yeah. like and fucking nerds do you know what i mean like you want your nerdy collector thing so mate you know, i've got you, the fear to put, you want to put that next i've got the box fucking next to your pop vinyl of bloody glenn danzig or whatever that you paid <laughs> 40 quid for i mean fuck me that's a bigger ripoff, isn't it? Yeah. You're paying 12 quid for a pop vinyl of Rob Zombie. You big fucker. Grow up. Yeah. Yeah. But no. Sorry. No, it's all right. Get what you want. Spend whatever you want your money. You want to spend your money on. It's up to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm definitely a nerd. I'm definitely a collector. I mean, I can literally see the Fear Inoculum box set there. Obviously, I haven't got the signed one, but I still got it. I mean, admittedly, I did ask for it as a, a split Christmas present, but like, yeah, that's the thing. But then I, I couldn't have afforded it. And if I couldn't have got it on my own, it's like, well, I'll just have to not get it. So fair enough. But. But it is a shitter, and I think the barrow to entry. I mean, I'm I'm more annoyed about um, gig tickets, uh, the prices of those, the kind of surge pricing, and then the fucking fees that go on top of all of them. So actually, Goldie looking chain, bit of a weird example. Goldie looking chain are playing in Leicester quite soon on Gigantic. The tickets are eleven pounds plus fees. If you go to Ticketmaster, nineteen pound face value plus all your fees as well. It's like that's where you're getting fucking fleeced, and that's not going to the bands. So get more angry about mm. that. Don't be angry at the lovely French boys in Gajira. No, yeah, it's a shame. And Stranded, by the way, is a fucking banger. Anyway, let's move on. I mean, there's other things to be getting annoyed or sad or down about than T-shirts. And one of them, for me, massively... Ah, I don't like this. True Goy the Dove, a.k.a. David Jolliker of De La Soul, has passed away aged 54. Um, we don't know the cause of death which has not been disclosed at the time. Um, I think he's had various heart issues over the years. Um, we did, what, now three months ago, we did uh, Della Soul's yeah. Three Feet High and Rising album as a classic album over on our Patreon page. And that was and is just about to be re-released. Mm. You know, it's going or has gone up on is it now back up on streaming services it will be i, I, I think they've released a couple of singles so far i think the album goes up early march if i remember yeah right. okay yeah so i know the magic number from that album have both been released onto streaming services um i said a lot of this in my you know my my kind of final thoughts about de la soul in the um in the special that we did but for me uh as a, a hip-hop fan um you always remember the sort of first time you heard the the band or the artist that made you kind of fall in love with or get excited by that particular genre of music and for me i would say in hip-hop de la soul are are that band who first they're, they're the first artists that i ever heard in hip-hop that made me go what's this this is great like back before i was even before i was a teenager you know as discussed on the classic album and they made 
music which was really innovative they made music which is really kind of catchy and floaty and 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 and, and happy and you know that album i think like we said is is so kind of carefree mm. in its execution and it's sort of the lyrical stance or a lot of it it's it feels so almost almost sort of throwaway at some points but there's such a an amazing amount of depth to to it that it's like a kind of like i always say like a sort of trojan horse into into other areas of the of the music scene and the music spectrum and i think they were so they were so innovative and they were so different to what was going on at the time and i think true goy you know along with um uh along with um masio and and Postinus, like that those three voices although i think like you said in the in the, in the special that we did sam like not not hugely different no, from no. like when you compare them to like you know odb and and rizza in the in wu-tang mm. or whatever and you go like okay well i can definitely tell <laughs> like you know they they did stick to sort of a similar sort of flow but i think all three of them interlocked so brilliant with each other so brilliantly within each other's you know the, the kind of the the flow and the the chemistry and the way they interacted with each other and just how different they were i just cannot fucking i cannot tell you how much of a breath of fresh air de la soul felt like to me as someone who was sort of looking at rap a bit scared mm. when i was sort of eight nine years old and then hearing this band and so i feel like i've got so much to thank them and him for for sort of being my gateway into this music i mean again as i said on the the special like I didn't sort of really stick with Della Soul. I haven't gone on and listened to all of their albums for years and years and years and years and years. But they'll always be like a really, really, really integral, important band to me. And I think this is is really, really sad. Really sad. It absolutely is. I mean, um, as someone who is uh, definitely a newcomer to Della Soul, um, you know, as I said, um, didn't love every single second of the album. But I think it's it's hard to deny it's it's important and it's idiosyncrasy as well i still haven't heard anything that sounds quite like it in hip-hop and like you say i think it's that breath of fresh air thing and that you know the kind of almost like hippie culture the the, the emphasis on love that runs through it as opposed to being any kind of um you know more kind of angry or antagonistic socio-political kind of examination i think you know a really pivotal band uh, i think true guys um contributions well i mean the three of them obviously but i think true girls contributions really have to be highlighted because yeah they really <laughs> they started something that no one else was doing they were absolutely innovators and they did make um this album that has you know touched so many lives stood the test of time for so long i mean the fact that it's going on streaming now after so many years of kind of copyright disputes and label disputes and people are losing their minds with joy about it. it's like i mean i think that speaks volumes to just how much people love della soul and you know i can't profess to be a massive fan i've listened to the album that comes directly after um three feet high and rising uh della soul is dead um and i've not really gone much further i i like them i don't think they're ever going to be out, uh, an act that i absolutely adore although who knows who knows how you know because you, your taste does change as you get older but i know so many people who've been waiting so long to get to that kind of rescheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled rock city day and um breaks my heart that they're, they're not going to get to that now so i know i think that's the thing you know with the the kind of the dispute over of, around their catalog and with three feet high and rising going up onto streamer services 
that re-release of the record you know obviously i've got an uh an original how original yeah. it is but i've got an original pressing of that on vinyl uh, which again again right talking about how much you i mean how that much you value me, something yes yeah. yeah that cost about i think it was like 85 90 quid that i paid for that which to be fair and, in the case of that is a steal actually <laughs> like if you look at uh, yeah yeah i mean yeah. i was like oh fuck me i'll take that definitely like that doesn't even feel like that was a fucking no-brainer i mean obviously if i hadn't have had that money i wouldn't have been able to buy it so i appreciate that but i did and that's why i chose to spend it on at that point like i just fucking love the album and it's just such an important record and it seems so such a bummer that yeah i mean i think they were due to play the royal albert hall as part of due this to play kind the of royal albert hall. Tour. yeah yeah they were going to be doing some festivals i believe they're doing secret garden party i want to say i think Ooh, possibly I, i'm afraid I, I don't know for sure I, I don't know yeah i don't know if that's true or not but anyway i mean you would imagine that probably won't happen now wouldn't it sort of um which is you know which really 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 does sort of add the extra little kick in the nuts to mm. what is an already very very sad situation um for people like me who have never seen them before so you know um really really sad i mean the the amount of tributes that came out to him from i mean damon Albarn was one um who obviously we again it's funny because we we're speaking about his contribution to yeah the gorillas favorite gorillas song yeah, yeah. you know is um uh Superfast jellyfish which he's on from plastic beach again fucking absolutely absolutely brilliant but you know chuck d said something mm. be real from cypress hill jpeg mafia said something as well like there's been there's been a there's been a lot of people from a lot of different eras and a lot of different genres who have been saying just how important that record and that band were to them so it's another week it's mad man i think like you can't go more than like a week without somebody dying at the moment no you know and i just think that that's probably just going to happen remember in 2016 when people were like oh my god the curse, the curse of, of 2016, 2016 what's happening it's like well i don't know i think it's just that's what's going to happen from now on i mean yeah all these people who are of a certain generation are getting to the end of life basically i mean with true guy i mean that kind of has come out of nowhere you know 54 is no age it's not like you know bowie and lemmy sort of going at 70 although even 70 you know is pretty young by today's standards but then i suppose mm. in their cases um lot of a uh, lot of substances coursing through the veins but yeah i mean it's it's gonna keep happening you know um, yeah so yeah it really really will it's uh it's not good no it's not good anyway um let's move on and talk about the brits something happened. else morose <laughs> yeah we we uh we did actually speak about the the brits um last no we didn't sorry we spoke about the grammys the other week yeah. regarding you know big fucking what are they called awards. i want to say stadium shows award, award shows yeah. fucking award shows of course <laughs> yeah so award shows we spoke about award shows and stuff and we were basically basically like it don't really matter nah. it doesn't really matter but i think the brits you know in terms of it as a ceremony it's much more of a sort of pop culture um saturday night bit of entertainment as much as the Grammys is like this long-winded... I mean, the Brits is quite long, but compared to the Grammys, it's a fucking, you know, half-hour CBeebies. <laughs> it's a like nonsense, Saturday it? night takeaway with Anton Deck. Yeah, it certainly is. I think um, the Brits... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam. It was pretty bad, the show, right? The yeah, show was pretty bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Pretty bad. 
I think it was actually surprisingly bad. Yeah, so I mean, I didn't see it live. I've kind of um, picked and chosen uh, highlights in inverted commas. Uh, most of what I saw was through your running commentary on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I always mean, the best thing about the Brits, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. But yeah, I saw basically a kind of just some people frustrated, some people just absolutely bored. I didn't really see anyone responding to it particularly positively. It just seemed like it was a bit of a damp squib of a, an event this year, really. As someone who is exposed to a lot of people who like kind of rock and metal um, on Twitter, I have to say, bless you guys for thinking that Nova Twins are going to win. Yeah. Aww, yeah. Bless. Bless. Bless, bless your, bless your ignorant little hearts. <laughs> to be fair to Nova Twins, though, like looking at their response after the fact, they've been really, really humble about it. They're like, it's just brilliant to be nominated. It's great for representation. Yeah. It's like, yeah, take that. Absolutely take it that. It was the Rock same with Idols. Fans. I mean, I, th- yeah. I think Idols had a better chance of winning with the category they were in yeah. when it was best newcomer than the Nova Twins did because um, well, Nova Twins were up for best rock act, weren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, best sort of rock and alternative act, and you know, and it's a. a a fan vote with the 1975 against them. So fucking hell, hard into nothing. You're no, yeah, you're not going to win. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're you're not going to win. Um, and that's you know that's what it you know is what it is. But um, let's uh, the ceremony itself. So last year I watched it and I remember thinking. I mean, maybe it's years because I used to go to the Brits a fair bit and I, I don't anymore. But like, I used to go to the Brits. I went to a few Brits and I was exposed to Jack Whitehall's uh, presenting Ooh, back in the day. God. And I thought Jack Whitehall was very, very, very 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 bad indeed and then last year mo gilligan did it and i wasn't familiar with mo gilligan Mm. as a person particularly but i thought he was really good i thought he had just a nice way about him he seems like a nice guy i mean he still does seem like a nice guy but he was dreadful he was dreadful the fucking interviews of them sat like why do they do this like i've gone to the brits and i'm gonna sit there and i've been nominated for something i'm gonna get drunk and just sort of try and get through the night and I've and suddenly I'm on live TV <laughs> being interviewed by this geezer with someone else there who I don't really know that well and he's asking me the most inane questions like it's so fucking inane mm. like do you do, do you does it have to be this inane does it have to be this fucking vanilla I mean it does and I think like a lot of people go, oh, it's rubbish now, isn't it? It's rubbish, oh, culture's rubbish now, isn't it? Fucking now, it's always been like that. Saturday Night ITV oh, has yeah, always yeah. been like that. Like, you know how... <laughs> go on. How weird I... Wow, I was going to bring copycats up again. Oh, very, yeah, very yeah. of course. But yeah, I, won't, yeah. I won't bring copycats. So my, my mate who I watched, we, we basically will sit and watch like old YouTube clips of like... Bad 80s television. What, bad 80s television, right? We watched all of the final of New Faces 86 the other day. Oh, my right? favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely hilarious. It was terrible. Now, Steve, it, terrible. I, I obviously love the final of New Faces 86, but for anyone who yeah, doesn't know what it is, could you um, just give us a little <laughs> primer on that? So basically, it was... It was... Uh, it's, it's basically like it's Britain's Got Talent. Oh, right, okay. Right, so it was like regional rounds and they had 12 acts... And it was Marty Kane, the late Marty Kane, God rest his soul. Bill Kenwright was a judge. Jim Davidson was a judge. Cool. And, I mean, one of the guys was a stand-up and he was going, oh, I'm going to do some impressions. And he got a tennis racket out and he got a Nazi hat and he went Boris Becker, right? Ooh, and that was it. Christ. That was the joke. Okay. Oh, because Boris Becker is German. I get it, so yeah, he yeah, must yeah. be, And he's a tennis player, so he must be a Nazi. And it's just, it's a fucking terrible 
absolutely fucking terrible. Especially because ripping off Bobby Davro's bit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. Like, 1986, you go, oh, great one at Master of Puppets. The Queen is dead. <laughs> no. New Face is 86. That's what, people, that's what most... It, this, mainstream culture hasn't really changed in that respect. Like, it's not no. like it suddenly got worse. It's always been really, really bad, right? So the Brits... It's not got any worse. It's just remained as terrible. Like mm. you're, in twenty years' time, the people who are watching it now, who are like, "Oh yeah, it's all right," will look back on it and go, "Oh, it was brilliant, wasn't it?" Remember when the Brits was good, and it'll be fucking Remember awful. Mo no, Gilligan's just... incisive interviews. Yeah, yeah. It, so it was bad. In terms of the actual performances, Harry Styles opened it with "As It Was." I thought it was all right. Yeah. Uh, Wet leg, Chaise Lange was actually quite good. I thought they had a they had a kind of midsummer motif yeah. going on yeah we'll get to wet the, the the main problem with wet leg is that, that they're not capable of just saying thank you <laughs> and walking away uh lewis capaldi sam capaldi did forget sam capaldi yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. sam capaldi i just got him down on wikipedia here is lewis capaldi that can't be right mo gilligan wouldn't have called him he wouldn't have got his name wrong would he uh, he did forget me which i did immediately Aww. um the absolute highlight of the night in terms of performances a medley of three songs by Lizzo. Lovely. Special, To Be Loved, and About Damn Time. Got the flute out. Was wearing some big fucking pink thing. Like, I'm going to see Lizzo in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I am fucking ready for it, Sam. Well, I am fucking ready for it like, now. You're going to wear your so big pink thing. I am going to wear that. I'm going to wear that. a topless version of that thing that Sam Smith was wearing. Nice. That's what I'm going to wear. And I'm going to crotch fuck the air to till my ball back falls Ooh, on the floor. Okay, alright. <sighs> Gonna take part in that really air bit. sex championship that Tom was talking about. Yeah, I am, yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. I thought Stormzy was quite boring. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that was basically boring. that was my kind of read of his last album, I thought. I think it's uh, losing the luster a little bit in terms of performance. A little bit in yeah. it. Was a bit boring that. Which is a shame because I Ka- really like Stormzy as a bloke. Like I think what he stands yeah. for is great, but he's just yeah, he doesn't seem as passionate. So I think pick pick a big one and then pick a do you know what I mean? I think he picked a, it was a little bit low energy for me, you know. Cat Burns did go. Thought that was completely boring. We got another <laughs> fucking absolutely sexy version of Unholy by oh, Sam Smith yeah, and Kim boy. Petrus. Yeah. I thought that was that would be taking the silver medal behind Lizzo. Yeah. I thought that was really good, although apparently there was some sort of malfunction on the stage. I didn't notice that. And then when you're ending your biggest awards show of the year in music in this country with a fucking David Guetta, like medley with... Sam Ryder, Ella Henderson, and Becky Hill coming on. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, David Getter is awful. Yes. I'm sorry. I know he's that fucking. I don't think anyone listening to this is going, how dare you about that? Because <laughs> David Getter is rubbish, right? I like a lot of electronic music, a lot of dance music. David Getter is. When people talk about, like, oh, I hate dance music, it's just like, da, fucking, uh, uh, uh. they're talking about David Guetta. Yeah. He's terrible. He's terrible. Hey, he does it's not fun. He does a lot with three notes, mate. Come on. He does. And he did, you know, he did that great tribute to George Floyd. <laughs> oh, we yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah God. Remember, that's all I think of fucking David Guetta now. I mean, like, there's a lot of problems just, it, in the world right now. And in America, in a, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, inappropriate thing for George. I'm surprised he didn't go, okay, let's see if we can find. Um, <laughs> 
Who's that woman that's gone missing? I'm surprised. Oh, God, yeah, As yeah. if we can find this goes out to her family. <laughs> like fucking totally inappropriate. Mm. Absolute. He's a he's a fucking rotter, David Gale. I hate him. And, and he had the cult leader said, in the making, Sam Ryder, up there as well, as yeah, you put he did, it. Yeah, yeah. Noel Edmonds uh, <laughs> leading a cult. Um, it was rubbish. I mean, it was fucking, it was fucking rubbish. Uh, if it wasn't for Sam Pe- Sam Smith and Kim Petrus and Lizzo, and I suppose Harry Styles was pretty decent at the start. He was fine. Like, performance-wise, it would have been a bit of a write-off, really. And yeah, and I actually thought Wet Lake were, were, were fine. But we get to the actual awards. So... Harry Styles won most of the stuff, right? Yeah. And he won album of the year. Wrong. He won best British best British artist. Yeah, I mean he beat Wet Leg, 1975 Stormzy, Fred again, we've done all this. I think 1975 deserved that personally. Best British group, Wet Leg, beat the 1975 Arctic Monkeys, Bad Boy Chiller Crew and Nova Twins. Oh, so Nova Twins were vote were nominated for for best British group. Again, they've got no chance there, have they? Arctic Monkeys in 1975. I mean, it's pretty amazing that Wet Leg won it, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, Wet, Wet Leg's getting a up. bit of a surprise there. Yeah, yeah, Wet Leg getting up. And I said, one of my tweets was, you know when your your aunt gives you like a fiver in a card for your birthday and your mum goes, oh, you've got to phone your great aunt and say thank you when you're at seven. And you go, oh, hi, thank, thank you for my card and my money. Did you have a nice birthday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. What are you gonna do? I'm oh, gonna wimpy. Gonna <laughs> wimpy. Go to go to wimpy wimpy birthday. Oh yeah. Oh, have a nice birthday then. Think, think. Say thank you. Say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was wet legs fucking acceptance speech. It was embarrassing. It's like either say something or get the fuck off the stage. Get your fucking shit. Do a Joe Pesci and go cheers and get off. Or say something. Don't just stand around looking at each other giggling. It was embarrassing. It's yeah. supposed to be a fucking rock and roll band. Look at you. Look at you. Yeah, no. Look it, at it, you. It was do something. Yeah. Do something, wet leg. <laughs> and I quite like wet leg, but fucking do something. Be exciting. Do, do something. It, do a KLF. Yeah, or fucking <laughs> even go, oh, Mike Watchins is a washed up old cunt, isn't he? Like, even that. Do something. Exciting. Yeah, definitely. It's fucking... It just crap that it was so crap harry styles won song of the year as it was okay fine, fine. Uh, and there was some here that are, so pop r&b act right cat <laughs> burns charlie xcx Dua Lipa, and sam smith losing to harry styles i thought that's pretty inevitable what, what why is r&b and this is something that people point out and i was like oh yeah of course why is there no r&b in the r&b category yeah that's quite an oversight isn't it and why have you grouped it in with pop like it's the same thing yeah Oh, I've got the metal and best classical salsa. Yeah, yeah do you know what I mean? It's fucking stupid. And then it's just like Megadeth, Sepultura, Machine Head. <laughs> Metallica won for best metal uh, and classical yeah. performance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and no classical artists were nominated. No, no. Um, best dance act, this fucked me off as well. Becky Hill beating Bonobo, Calvin Harris, uh, Eliza Rose and Fred again. I don't really know much about Becky Hill. I don't really know much about many of them, but I do know that Bonobo should have won that, so fuck off. Fair enough. Uh, best new artist, Wet Leg, again, beating Koji Radical, Mimi Webb, Rina Sawayama, and Sam Ryder. I mean, really, Koji Radical and Rina Sawayama probably shouldn't even have been in new artists, but if they were going to be in there, they probably, one of them should have won, really, shouldn't they? Yep, definitely. I mean, that is a, a glaring oversight there. I mean, as you say, I don't mm-hmm. think they should be a new artist at all. Um, just... Get, just be better, the Brits. Be better awards categories. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the, the people got it right. Arctic Monkeys, Nova Twins, Tom Grennan, and, the 1970, uh, and Wet Leg losing to the 1975. Hey. Out of those five, the 1975 are the best one of them. They are. Certainly In my favourite. Yeah. yeah. And then I would say... I mean, I think probably Wet Leg I would have had second in that. I mean, Arctic Monkeys have released a bad album, so... Two on the trot, uh, to be fair, over quite a long period. I did see a few people saying, this isn't rock. Like, where's the rock bands? And, uh, you know, as, as a metal fan, where's the rock bands? It's like, they're rock bands. It's like, I know, I hate, I hate to have to explain this to you. Where's Sangui Sugabog? Other podcasts who only listen to metal music. Broken Horses by Brandy Carlisle is a rock song, mm. right? It is actually a rock song. Someone sent me a clip or something and went, listen to this. And I was like, oh my God, awful. Like, Brandy Carlisle's Broken Horses is a rock song. And a really it's fucking a better, good one as well. It's a better rock song than the Red Hot Chili Peppers or Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> yeah. It's better than them, right? And just because it's not in Kerrang! or in fucking Metal Hammer or they or don't write about de-tuning. it on... Yeah, yeah. Don't write about it on whatever little website that rips all that stuff off that you read it doesn't mean that those bands have nothing to do with rock music 1975 essentially in the broader spectrum of the world are an alternative band i think a rock band maybe is a bit much but they're an alternative band arctic monkeys are a rock band yeah. they're just a fucking rock band the nova twins obviously are a rock band don't know i've never really listened to tom grennan wet leg are a rock band mm. They're not going to nominate Barry tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? They're not going to nominate Barry tomorrow because that band aren't that big. And dare I say it, as much as I like Barry tomorrow, they're not as good as the 1975 either. So I'm all right with that. Best rock alternative act. Yeah, fair. Best international artist, Beyonce beating Burner Boy, Kendrick Lamar, Lizzo and Taylor Swift. Wrong. I, not Kendrick, really. obviously. Um, yeah, don't think that was right. Uh, international group of the year Fontaine's DC I was quite happy to oh, see that's won that over Blackpink Drake and 21 Savage not a band <laughs> or group really First Aid Kit and Gabrielle's would like Gabrielle's to have won that but I'll take Fontaine's DC I think they're yeah, good yeah. Best International Song Beyonce won Break My Soul with Break My Soul so Beyonce got two she beat out I mean the good ones from this Annie Hero by Taylor Swift About Damn Time by Lizzo that's it, really. I mean, yeah. again, David Guetta getting nominated. Boo, Jack away. fucking Harlow. One Republic getting nominated. Terrible. As a quick aside, whenever I hear about um, Break My Soul by Beyonce, I always like to assume that it is still, in my head, a kind of interpolation of Crush My Soul by Godflesh. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be. Can I tell you what I think the worst award of the night was? Uh, was it whatever Tom Grennan got for making a joke about Ellie Goulding's tits? Oh, that that's not mental. an award, is it? No, we'll that's not that. an award. It's no. an award for like, why are you doing that? Why are you that? being a but then slimy he had to, get? Then Ellie Goulding had to come out and go, well, we were talking about it before. And it's still like, mate, I just don't it's think weird. going yeah. live on telly. But then again, you stick two people who don't really know each other. Again, like, like please welcome to the... <laughs> please welcome <laughs> Marcus Rashford and... Bobby Davro. And Bobby Davro. Like, it was, it was all shit like that, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? It was like, what? He, please welcome Keith, the ghost of Keith Harris... <laughs> And Tom Hanks's personal trainer, <laughs> Simon Grenfell. It's like, who are these people? I don't know. I don't know who these people are. No. And they've got nothing to do with each other. And you've gone up and go, right, before you go on, before you give out the award, say something sort of fun to each other. Have a little bit of banter with yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they meet like three seconds before and they walk out and they go, oh, hello. Oh, you like being at the Brits? I do. Ah, I see your 
I see you've got the, breasts. I see you've oh. got breasts. And, well done. And then it's a, it's an international incident, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Rubbish. Get NATO Absolutely involved. rubbish. What was your least favourite award, best, though? Go on. Best hip-hop and grime act. Ooh. I fucking shouted at the telly. It was the first fucking one of the night, and I was like, oh, we're doing this, are we? We're fucking doing this. So Central C, who I don't really know much about, but I know is hugely, hugely, hugely popular, right? Dave obviously who i love mm-hmm. laura Carner, who i obviously love, love. stormzy who i think i do like a lot mm-hmm. and i don't think he had his best night obviously and i think that new album is amazing but it's pretty good it's pretty good sure. but is very 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 good in just in general lost to th from steps who no no a i t c h oh okay. yeah. who's you know like just a fucking joker oh, come on man like really is he really get that that was the one that pissed me off the most i was like this guy and then he got up and he was like oh <laughs> he did the harry styles thing and went oh people like me don't normally win awards like this oh yeah because i'm from coventry i'm a working class <laughs> kid from coventry and it's like oh mate fuck no they don't normally win awards like this because they're not very good usually if, yeah. they're, if they're anything like you. Yeah, yeah, and they're usually in a category where they should be considered like there's a, a nice pat on the head for you to even get nominated for anything. And you fucking won. That's ridiculous. You fucking won, you cunt. You beat Loyal Karna. What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say obviously should have been Dave or Loyal Karna. I, would, mm, I suppose the Dave album. I think it should have been Loyal Karna because Dave didn't even. Yeah, yeah Dave, Dave was, you know, w- was nominated off the back of some singles, you know, mm. and, uh, and some live shows. Which were very good, but Laura Carner, come on, come on! Yeah. I looked at it. I thought. Well, I, I remember saying as it turned around, and then they were going through the nominees. I was like, I'd be happy with Dave or Laura, I want Laura Carner to win. I'd be happy Dave and Stormzy. I reckon it might be Central C, and then there's H, and then he fucking won the Brits. You don't know what you're on about. Like I think generally, like it, it's annoying as well because we've said about this, right? Like we are not a, you know, kind of, st- I, we, we're not a snobby. We're not a snobby podcast, right? We're not kind yeah. of snobby and snotty about like you know. We're not going. We're not. We're not doing what I saw a lot of people doing. We're going. Oh, the rock act. Well, I can't believe that Harriet didn't get nominated for best rock act at the Brits in the nineteen seventy five one. Uh, like, we're not doing that. We're not fucking idiots. But at the same time, it's been a really good year. It made me notice how good pop music is at the moment. How kind of yeah, exciting yeah. it is at the moment, right? And and like. There's lots of things that made me think how exciting pop music has been. Like it was in the 80s, right? I think it kind of got, you know, from from kind of grunge happening, I think the kind of knock-on effect of grunge, like this is a wider point generally, right? But the kind of knock-on effect of grunge mm. was that for a little while, pop stars became a lot more relatable. Everything became a lot more, and you know, there were some great songs that came out, but I like, like the whole thing of people laughing at what Sam Smith was wearing, right? It's like, they're a fucking pop star, you dickhead. Yeah. They're meant to look like that. I've just written, like I said, 10,000 words about fucking Duran Duran in the last couple of weeks. Every picture of Duran Duran, they look ridiculous. Well, mate, David Bowie in the 1970s. David Bowie, fucking Boy George. The shit I grew up with, seeing on top of was going, seeing these people who were, it's like almost alien aspirational Mm. figures. Like, and... You've got people who look like that in pop music again now. Yeah. You've got people like Sam Smith and Lizzo. Music isn't even that exciting. Like, like yeah. Lizzo, Charlie XCX, Rena. Like these people are fucking like even even Harry Styles to his mm. credit. 
like looks cool do you know what i mean he looks cool and you look at him and you go there's a cool looking iconic looking aspirational looking person that's what i want my pop music to look like that's what i want pop music to be ott glamorous look at the fucking pet shop boys they look weird they wear fucking endless different coats chris tennant silly hats that's what i fucking want I, the rock bands I listen to, yeah, yeah, wear jeans and a t-shirt and just make really, really good rock music. That's fine. But you can be relatable because you're meant to be this kind of grimy, weird thing. Pop music's meant to be the fucking top of the tree. Yeah. And it's got like, it's become like that again. And to see, you know, the Brits be so fucking dull when there's so much <laughs> shit that they could be talking about and it could be exciting. And they're sticking Lewis Capaldi fucking like... Just Ed Sheeran, drive to Dundee, bare feet eating Toblerone. That's all he is, right? <laughs> nice boys with nice guitars writing nice music. Yeah, yeah. That fucking dull, it. isn't it? I, I completely agree. You want your pop stars to be larger than life superstars. You know, I mean, we were talking about the Gwen Stefani album a few weeks ago, and it's like, it is just one of those people where you look at them and is a superstar. And to be fair, don't even think what, you know, she was sort of doing fashion-wise is as ostentatious as the examples that we've got today. I think it's great. I really like it. And yeah, I completely agree with you. I think... Rock bands, do whatever you like, look however you want. And to be fair, actually, you know, if we're talking about rock bands, Nova Twins look pretty fucking fab. Nova Twins look They cool. looked amazing. Yeah, yeah, like, they did. Yeah, so mm. it's like, yeah, cool. Do go for that if you want to. But I think, yeah, I don't think pop stars have to be. But when it is just getting to, like, ill-fitting jeans and T-shirts and your acoustic guitar, writing songs about how you sound like, uh, how you look like fucking Rupert Green, it's like, oh, fuck off. Um, and actually, on on the subject <laughs> Rupert of... Rupert Green. Oh, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, come on, he, <laughs> he does. does. Um but on the subject of all the kind of ostentatious clothing and all that, I'm really looking forward to it just becoming the norm again because it's going to piss off a lot of the right people. I saw a friend of mine's mum. She's lovely. And she was saying, oh, what, what's Harry Styles wearing? That's quite spectacular. And a mate of hers commented and said something like, oh, he's rock and roll, inverted commas. He's getting on the gender train. I hear there's about 80 now. And I was like, well, I can't wait for you to just sit there fuming in your little fucking house, you stupid bitch so she can fuck off people like that can fuck off so i want oh, mate, I, to look fucking mental i am happy with that that's great yeah bring back like ott i mean i say bring back they're kind of there aren't they they're, they're there yeah they are bring yeah. back like lavishly ott aspirational pop stars mm. and we've got a bunch of them at the, at the moment and i think like i mean there were dribs and there were bits and bobs of people in the in the 2000s definitely they were there were like a few like you know even going into more i guess more kind of rap culture i mean like Miss, looking at missy elliott yeah, back in the sure. day i was like look at that fucking weird shit that there and that whole kind of jiggy era towards the 90s like there was glamorous shit going on but i think you know you get to really get to lady gaga i mean i would also obviously beyonce be, became i think you know early on beyonce was just you know, Destiny's Child were a fairly kind of standard-looking yeah. R&B soul thing. Lady Gaga comes along and it is like, oh my God, mental. And then people like, um, I mean, Katy Perry went, started off just being like warped or girl and then became... Pop princess, the, yeah, absolutely. The pop princess that she, she is now. And I think, you know, like Janelle Monae, Oh, yeah. Who yeah, we yeah. haven't really spoken about much on this podcast, but who I fucking love. Oh, mate, right? Dirty Computer. Is fuck me. What awesome. Up. Like, and, and again, was like, you go, God, look at that. Fucking crazy and stuff. And I, I just, like, I'm glad it, I'm glad that shit is, is, it's fully back now. I've been thinking for a few years, like, it's kind of coming back. I watched the Brits and I was like, you've kind of shunted all these people to the side a little bit, mm. but they are there. Uh, so I think, I think that's good. I think the state of that, of, of mainstream music is, really good but i just think that the brits 
did not represent that at all. Who would have thought that an award Who would show have thought? that backslaps popularity would get it wrong? I mean, that's just all award shows, isn't it? Not specifically the Brits. It's just like, you just all yeah. get it wrong, don't you? So Stop getting music wrong. <laughs> um, here's one for me, Sam. Is it Healy Watch? You too. Oh, okay. You too have announced a series of concerts in Las Vegas this fall celebrating Actung Baby. They're doing a Vegas residency. Doing Actung... I mean, I don't know if they're doing it in full. They did do the Joshua Tree in full at some point. So I'm hoping, possibly, maybe, they might be doing Actung Baby in full. A little bit annoyed that they're only doing it in Vegas, which means I probably won't be able to do it. But the kind of... The thing that is most telling here is that it's going to be the first time ever you two performed with a different member because Larry Mullen Jr. has had surgery and is recovering from it, which means Dutch drummer Bram Vandenberg is going to be filling in on the drum stool for them. Um, do you have any any thoughts on, on this at all? Wow. Uh, in terms of like a band doing residencies and stuff like because this is definitely one this is definitely one for me obviously well i mean my immediate thought is uh we need to get to work building up the patreon number so you can go don't we clearly i yeah. do everyone really needs to up their to pledge go. please so that steve can yeah, go and see you too um it would be really nice yeah. if you could do that thank you uh do i have thoughts on bands in residency uh i don't know that i do have particularly strong thoughts on it as an idea i mean to me it's always just what you do when you put old pop stars out to pasture you know um, Celine Dion's gone to live on a farm in Vegas. You, know, you can't visit her. That's how I always think of it. But um, yeah, yeah, like, I'm, I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, it is a shame if they're doing it as a residency rather than a tour. I mean, again, I suppose we're talking about that kind of barrier to entry in terms of cost and everything that we we're talking about with uh, gigs at the top of the show. But um, yeah, I I don't necessarily have a problem with it myself. Uh, although that being said, I mean, if I don't know. If Nine Inch Nails were doing a fragile residency or something like that, I'd be fucking livid if I couldn't afford to go to that. But then, you know, that's just life, isn't it? I mean, do you do you have thoughts on residencies as a concept? Um, I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, I think that they, like you say, like it's it's the sort of thing that will cost a bomb feck, a feck load of money for you to have to, to go and see but it's a sort of it's a, it's an easy way for bands to put on the most spectacular show and make the most money possible from doing it like it's a little bit of a bummer that they're doing it um and obviously not really doing any shows around the world with it i was hoping for stadium world tour of acting baby i was hoping the zoo tv thing was gonna they mm. were gonna go around the world and do that so i mean they they still they still might who knows but it's obviously not going to be this year which is a bit of a shitter um i had read at the start of the year that they weren't going to be doing um any touring at all this year and i was like oh so you know on one hand i am like oh there is a there's a chance there's at least a chance to see you two that I didn't think I was going to get to see and them doing like Acton Baby. But um, on the other hand, it's, I'd say a fairly remote chance. I would say That so, I will yeah. be able to go to this. But in terms of like doing a Vegas, I mean, I, it's something I'd like to see. I've got absolutely no interest in going to Las Vegas at all. Nah. It looks horrible to me. It's just fucking Blackpool, isn't it? <laughs> Blackpool, but for Blackpool people from the hangover. More lights. Yeah. yeah, but you might get shot rather than stabbed. Well, you know, change is as good as the rest yeah absolutely so you know i've got i don't really want to go to vegas but i probably would go there to see you two in front of sort of four you know sort of 
three, four, five thousand capacity theatre. Oh, is it? Acting baby. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I think. Yeah. I mean, they usually are. They usually are that kind suppose of size. For a residency. I think. Yeah. I suppose it would be. Um, They're not no, be massive. No. I believe we've be established that. Um, I suppose for me, the, the the interesting bit there is that. Uh, going to be performing with a, a different member for the first time ever has uh what was his name sorry bram vandenberg did you say bram vandenberg he was in yes. a band called de, de crip a dutch band never heard of him before. oh okay i was going to ask what he's done because i can't say i'm aware of him but i mean hey no never heard of him good enough for you too if he's good enough for adam clayton and the rest you know that's fine how's the edge yeah yeah um but yeah hopefully we'll see i mean as well 17th of march we're getting a new u2 album sort of it's not really though, is it? It's a re-recording. Not really. Yeah, forty yeah. tracks I re-recorded mean, by you two in twenty twenty three. I've listened to a couple well. of the, listened to some of the singles. They're not very good. So you know, that's definitely what I want to do. I want to slag off the band that made me passionate about music when I was a child. That's definitely what I want to do. That'll be coming so, March twenty fourth, everyone. March twenty fourth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might. I mean, I do know the PR. Maybe I'd better email the PR and get it sent in advance, but probably. That would I wouldn't be getting an invite out to cover the <laughs> Vegas residency if I do that. No. Let's do some let's do some reviews of some stuff that we actually do like. Uh, this is why by Paramore is where we're going to start the sixth studio album from Haley Williams and Chums after she went off and made some very very cool solo albums. Uh, Petals for More um, was a really good album I thought. Uh, away from the band and this is the follow up in Paramore terms to the ultra poppy quite lovely After Laughter album from 2017. I was never much of a Paramore fan prior to this, particularly. Uh, that album, I should say. Uh, over time, I think, as I said a few weeks ago, when I brought in the excellent opening song Hard from times. that album. Yeah. Hard times. Gonna make it Yeah, I've, I've kind of got into Paramore more, but got into them. They've come closer to me as I have come closer to them, I think is the mm. thing. Because when I go back and listen to Riot or whatever, I still, I'm like, yeah, you're basically a pop punk band, which is fine. And you're a very good one. But like... It's not what I particularly want to listen to. Whereas the singles from this had me getting very excited because there's loads of kind of 80s post-punk, synthy, new wave stuff. And all of that music, fun fact for you guys, that is better than pop-punk and emo, that music. There you go. It's a scientific fact. A, it's a scientific fact. New wave is better than pop-punk the end who would have thought so eh? they're going to be better aren't they obviously <laughs> yeah i mean uh so i as we discussed when you brought in hard times uh similar sort of feelings on paramount i mean i do like some of that era of that kind of emo pop punk stuff that they were doing you know massive my chemical romance fan for two albums anyway um and paramount were one i'd never really connected with I have since listened to After Laughter in Full. I do really, really like that as an album, which I know for a lot of Paramore fans is um, kind of the anathema of the popular opinion. But I've gone back and I've listened to bits and bobs of their other stuff, re-listened to Riot, and I was like, oh yeah, I probably should have liked this more when I was younger. And I think I would have maybe a more kind of um, visceral reaction to their uh, evolution into a more new wavy thing if I'd have cared about it back then. Um, to be honest, the, the through line that I've noticed, and I think it continues very, very much into this, is that Paramore are really good at whatever they turn their hand to. And I think on this, the kind of yeah. the more understated um, kind of new wavy feel of it, and as you say, the post-punk, I mean, the bass in particular across this album, I think the rhythm section on this album really, really carry it. Um, well, not even carry it, because that implies that everyone else has let the side down, but I think they really make it and they give it a, a vibrance where the kind of more understated guitars and some of the vocal melodies that don't quite hit the, um, you know, punk princess slash your kind of, you know, pop star heights that Hayley Williams is capable of. 
um, I think they really keep it a driving force. However, I do think Hayley Williams is absolutely the star of this album in terms of what she brings to it, not just in terms of performance, but I think lyrically, the whole thing hits a really sweet spot, spot between the Paramore kind of angsty thing that they were doing in their early days as teenagers, but now it's more grown up and a lot more sarcastic. And there's a kind of sneering, kind of jokey quality to it, even when the lyrics can be quite barbed. I think a song like Big Man, Little Dignity, you know, kind of a bit more of a, a bit more of a kind of gorgeous ballad track in terms of musicality. Yeah. I think Hayley Williams did the full, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. That's really cool. I think that has got so yeah. much swagger to it and so much power more than just shouting and screaming and stamping your feet and raving. Like I think that's absolutely brilliant, a song like that. And actually, much so I enjoy, I think the opening run of four songs that are the more kind of in-your-face bangers, I think they're great. I actually think the highlight for me is Liar, when they do a quieter, more dour ballad. I think that's absolutely beautiful. And that dynamic shift in the album into that, it's just like, yeah, you guys can just basically do anything and you're going to do it brilliantly i think it's a very very strong album i think there's plenty to talk about kind of almost track by track but steve what are you saying i i mean i i really love it i think it comes the title track comes in sound like talking heads yeah which is very very different from the paramour that people would think are paramour but then they're taking inspiration from bands who are kind of it's not just like you know, Talking Heads didn't sound like Talking Heads when they first came out. No. Do you know what I mean? It, they evolved into something. And I think like Paramore, people who are going, oh no, why are they doing that? Like I've seen a few people going, oh, go back to doing pop punk. And it's like, now fuck that. They are not going to do that. They are not going to do that because they're clearly a much better band than like, you know, let Blink-182 like fucking huff farts into a jar and then like <laughs> stuff them back in your like consume and then regurgitate the shit that they've been doing for 25 years. Let them do that. Paramore are clearly a much better band than any of those bands they do pop strut really well that mm. kind of strutting post-punky pop thing on the news they do kind of literal dub bass and choppy guitars on running out with Hayley williams going full debbie harry which i think yeah is uh an, an obvious comparison but a sort of inescapable comparison particularly on this record i think mm. i wouldn't necessarily have made that comparison before other than on a you know an aesthetic level or, oh hayley williams is the 21st century version of of debbie harry like yeah you know okay that's a really really easy a plus b equals c equals debbie three, harry yeah. two <laughs> equals debbie harry whatever um and but you know it, it also this record kind of musically borrows from a lot of stuff i mean they're taking block party out on tour with them right? yeah I they're taking block yeah, party yeah. out on tour with them which i think is amazing right mm. because this does you know say comsa say com oh, say comsa yeah brilliant yeah, track, starts yeah. starts like a fucking ordinary boys song <laughs> and then goes into this weird little plastic bertrand thing it's amazing incredibly catchy Haley is brilliant i think mm. you've already said like her kind of detached cool spoken word verses and this unbelievably hooky weird little chorus that it goes into i think is fantastic you said about big man little dignity that swooping emo balladry i think that's something that is kind of relatable to their earlier work in a more you know it's not pop punk but it's kind of the pop punk ballad but it's still a bit better than that. it's not like an emo ballad but a bit better than that you mm. know yeah, I mean, I think that there, there are moments across this album, I think on, on something like the news and then particularly on the little run of uh, You First and Figure Eight and then a little bit on, uh, oh no, not so much Grave actually. Yeah, so You First and Figure Eight. It does go 
sort of musically hark back a little bit to what they were doing. Um, I guess probably up until the self-titled, as as I understand it. But even then, it doesn't have that kind of relentless, overdriven guitars. And I mean, I loathe to say it because it's such a kind of weak. I don't know, weak point to make, I suppose, but it just sounds a bit more mature. They sound a bit more weathered, don't they? Like, they, they are still mm. able to go back to those thoughts and feelings, but I think they're able to present them in a much more erudite and interesting way than they were doing when, when to be fair, you know, they were teens and in their, you know, early 20s and stuff like that. So, obviously, they've just got a bit a bit more of an understanding of how to, I don't know, get, get those messages across in a more interesting way and not retread old ground. But I think it is cool that they are able to hark back to that. Um... On the Debbie Harry point, I think for me, one of my favourite things is the way that this album ends with Thick Skull. The fact that we do finally get Hayley going full, like, rock star powerhouse vocals at the mm. end. Across that kind of, or just after that, quite jagged atonal guitar solo that seemingly comes out of nowhere, really. I, I think that's an absolutely top way to end it. But um, I think this is a really interesting balance of... Because I feel like after Laughter, I think that, as I understand it, as a non-Paramore stan or whatever... I think a lot of people saw that as kind of baby out with the bathwater in terms of the shift that they'd made. I think this almost sits between um, pre After Laughter Paramore and and that album itself. I think there's a really good balance of what people loved about them in the first place and what people like us who didn't really care about them before like in terms of where they're going. I think it's really strong. I think it's a really smart move on their part. Mm. And I'm, I'm really, really keen to try and try and find a ticket for that tour now. Yeah, I would like to see that as well. I mean, you've got, like, you first sounds a bit like Interpol on the bass, I think, and that big kind of electro fuzz as well. Bit of television on figure eight, I, mm. I, I thought as well. Um, Crave is the one with, I mean, that is just a New Order song with Hayley yeah. Williams singing it. It really is, yeah. But it, it's it's a New Order song. I think this is, I think this is brilliant, this record. I think all 10 tracks are great. Mm. It's really catchy. It actually grows on you the more you listen to it. First time I put it on, I was like, oh, this is really good. Yeah. And the more I listen to it, the better I think it is, which is sort of the opposite of, you know, some albums that you put on and you go, this is amazing straight away. And then you get a bit bored of it. I've not got bored of it at all. I think it's really, really strong. And yeah, you're right. I think it still does. Like to me, you know, it doesn't sound like misery business. No, but no. I mean, I would say that, I'm not sure as 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 iconic a song as Misery Business is. I don't think it's like it's not the Paramore song that I would go to. I think there's at least seven songs on here that I would have over that I think are better than uh, better songs than Misery Business. I think Misery Business is really good when it comes on at a club and everyone's oh, singing yeah, it. It's got a great chorus and you know it's 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 good. You know, it's a really really good song. But I, it's comparatively like this is you know musically it's a different ballpark i think it's yeah it's, it's it's better it is definitely better paramore are better now than they were back then yeah i think they, they are, just are they are I think. better and more interesting songwriters but they haven't just gone for the kind of interesting as a shorthand for challenging and avant-garde what they've done is taken quite sort of complex ideas and distilled them down into really quite yeah easily um easily digestible hooky music that is multi-layered and is really interesting because when i first listened to it i was like oh this is really good but there's no like banger that stands out and then i was like mm. oh no that's because it's 10 bangers that are all kind of on a similar level all the way through and yeah it's, it's definitely a grower but it starts you know the initial reception is really strong anyway yeah very very happy with yeah one. i think it's well good i think it's well good and it's been getting pretty good reviews as well pitchfork gave it seven six point three 
of course they did. Yeah. But everyone else seems to really like it. And I would, you know, I would I would fall in line and echo that. I think, you know, you're looking at eights out of tens and nines out of tens, a five out of five in the NME, four out of five in Kerrang. You know, the Guardian, four out of five. I, I agree with that. I think this is this is a really, really good record. It's not long either. It's really short. It's 10 tracks. There's nothing particularly long on any of them. It's 36 minutes long. Again, like they get in, they get out. They do a lot in, in between. Nothing really feels like it's laboured or forced nope. or, you know, over thought about. It's just, it's a, it's a really strong modern guitar pop album. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. Really good. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So for me, I would say Paramore. Um, I want to go to A2 show as well now. I want to, this is why. By Paramore, this is why I want to go. Because it's good. <laughs> um, let's move on to the new album from Caroline Polacek, Desire. I want to turn into you. The fourth studio album from the Connecticut-based singer-songwriter. The follow-up to her 2019 album, Pang. Which I have to admit, I have never listened to. Although Caroline Polacek appears to be something of a big deal these days, doesn't she? Mm -hmm. We've only ever spoken about her on this show um, when she appeared on Merkage Dave's album. Yes. Doing a good little bit, which I thought was really, really good. Um, I maybe wasn't aware of quite how big she was, to be perfectly honest, in comparison with Merkage Dave. Because looking at her Spotify stats, she's got 3 million plus monthly listeners. Crikey. Pretty big. And, you know... The last album, um, Pang, the song So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings, has 78 million plays Bloody on Spotify. So that's a, you, cro- uh, yeah, yeah, that's a bit of a crossover a crossover banger. Um, obviously, she also, I say we've never spoken about it before, she was on the Charlie XCX album, uh, Crash, that came ah, across yes. here as well, which I liked as well. So, you know, she's been putting her fingers into a myriad of different pies uh but i hadn't really ever listened to her as a solo artist so not really i hadn't listened to her as a solo artist before but i noticed this came out and i thought we should absolutely definitely cover this record and um i'm pretty glad we did yeah i'm gonna say the three things before we get going the three things we've covered this week i think this might be my least favorite but that doesn't mean that i don't think it's good I completely agree on that. I think this is a really strong album. Um, not quite of two halves. I'd say it's kind of there's two thirds of it that I think is absolutely brilliant. And then there's one third where I'm like, uh, you probably could have trimmed that off because, um, well, we've got two albums this week and this is quite significantly longer than the Paramore album. This is um, just o- it's over 50 minutes, if I remember correctly. I think it's, you know, best best part of an hour, whereas Paramore's half an hour, essentially. Um, yeah. But I think when um, when the first, uh, I'd say probably the first like four tracks on this um, really, really, really intrigued me. So when Welcome to My Island comes in, I was like, well, I've never listened to Caroline Polachek apart from as a featured artist. What's this going to be like? And it comes sort of screaming in and I'm like, is this going to be a bit like Björk? I don't know because there's lots of wailing and ambience and echoes and stuff. It's like, is this going to be really hard work? Is this going to be a weird kind of challenging album that I really need more time to get my head around? But then you get that beautiful rumble of the bass guitar over these um, hyper-modern, new wavy-type synths and um, the chorus where Caroline's vocals um, absolutely pull out all the stops as a juxtaposition to the kind of more staccato spoken word verses. It's really, really cool. That kind of syncopated vocal in the verses did make me think, oh, is that a bit striker pose by Madonna? 
there's a few bits that make me think maybe a little bit of Madonna influence, but I think, you know, broadly that's not on the money. When you get something like Bunny's a Rider, it goes into much more kind of nice funk feel. The uh, bass is popping, there's finger snapping. I, I really like that song a it lot. It's great. It's awesome. I actually think when you do get a bit more of the kind of like funk, maybe even R&B mould on this album, I think that's where it really, really hits the mark for me. Although I do obviously love the synth pop stuff. The issue, it's not even an issue. The bit where it loses me a bit is there are a few songs where it really goes very, very ambient. You know, it's very kind of woozy, just kind of soundscapey stuff. And I think were it not for a voice quite as um, dexterous and powerful as Caroline Polachek's, I think those songs would be incredibly throwaway. And I do actually think that on this album, they kind of are. And I think that maybe is a room for a bit of trimming. However... The final track, Billions, I do really like because that's the amalgam of everything we've heard on the album. I think it does a little bit of all the things you've heard across the preceding sort of 45, 50 minutes. And you can't have that if you don't have those ambient portions in there. So do you cut all of the ambience out to make it lesser, a, a kind of lesser album and less kind of interesting as a, I suppose, a, a journey, for quite a better word? Or do you just kind of chop it in half and just leave it as a sort of synth poppy stroke R&B sort of album? I don't know. I mean, I... I don't think there's anything on this that I would cut off because I don't think there's anything that would improve um, or worsen the album by doing so. But there are bits that I'm not going to go back to quite as often. And I will also say, I think the strength of Caroline Polachek as an artist is that there's a song featuring Grimes and Dido where I think they're totally perfunctory and what the two of them are doing, I think Caroline Polachek could have done better. I agree with that. I think it was odd to see Grimes and... and um and uh and dido turn up on uh on fly song. to you yes yeah which sounds to me like a kind of so this is what i think about this record i i think the sum of it is really good i really like it my favorite bits of it talking to someone who is you know in his in his 40s right? <laughs> i like the stuff that reminds me of things from when i was growing up kind of updated versions of that so i think the opening track is really bold and epic and shows her voice her voice comes in straight away and it's just like smack like i can fucking sing mm. like here we go and then it just sort of drops into some quite face synth pop stuff but i was like that's really cool like that's mm. a real like attention grabbing thing um and not when i say attention grabbing i don't mean in like show a showy way i mean it's just like it makes you go oh fuck me where are we what well, great um there's a hook in pretty impossible that reminds me of luca by susan vega which i like because of that mm -hmm. um I think Bunny as a Rider is one of the, the is kind of the exception to the rule that I'm going to talk about where it does have a lot of like that low energy dubbed sort of broken beat, very minimalist modern pop thing. But I just think the hook that huh, huh, Bunny is a Rider, Bunny, that's the, like and that there's a sample of like a baby crying or coughing or something there's in the background. There's a hell of a lot going on in this album. Like, yeah, and it's really it. like, is that, you know, is is this is the, the butterfly is this hyperbot um is, i don't know um but the, i mean there's stuff like sunset i i hate i hate that song fucking love island bollocks yeah, like, i can't yeah. get on can't get on with it uh, there's um i think one of the songs you, you said in the first four like crude drawn of an angel with the like left she's doing that um uh left camera right camera just sort of a just almost like disembodied voice above mm. the whole sort of ambient twin peaks it sort of like it feels a bit kind of twin peaksy which i actually quite like so oh, i okay. liked some of the ambient stuff and it reminds me of the, the the artist it reminds me of the most 
but it is like a kind of modern version of it. It's everything but the girl. I don't know if you've ever listened much to everything but the girl, Sam, but they were really big in the late eighties and into the sort of mid nineties. Yeah, I'm not listening to much, if any, actually. I'm aware of the name, but I can't say I do know it. I will just say actually on the on the topic of Sunset. Sunset I don't actually mind too much. I I thought you would dislike it because it is that kind of Love Island, like Latin pop inverted commas thing. But to me, I thought actually as a concession, that's what you get on a hell of a lot of throwback pop albums. And I think this does take from a lot of, you know, old school pop. It made me think of uh, when you when you get that flamenco guitar sort of ballad on something like Runaway Horses by Belinda Carlisle. And I'm not going to have a like, go Belinda Carlisle, so I'm not going to have a go at Caroline Polachek for doing the same thing. Fine. Okay. I mean, Fly To You, going back to it, sounds like Let Me Be Your Fantasy. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. It sounds like a modern version of like Let Me Be Your Fantasy. Loads of skipping electro beats. But again, like everything but the girl, it really does sound a lot like everything but the girl. I mean, and even I would say, again, this feels like there's a song called Blood and Butter, which I really, really like as well. And mm. there's stuff on it that I usually wouldn't be that, be that keen on. But it actually kind of weirdly reminds me of Madonna working with William Orbit. That whole kind of um, frozen ray of light um, era of, of Madonna. What that essentially tried to do was put a human heart next to very, very minimalist electronic stuff. Mm. And this is, in that vein, a banger, a sort of a banger. I think after that, it gets a little bit too down. Like, the energy levels go a bit too down. It never kind of... It never kind of grabs me again, and probably until Billions at the end, which I think is a really good way to close a record. Mm. So I think Hope Junk Everything feels like it's quiet just for the sake of being quiet i think butterfly net is a bit better yeah um smoke is a little bit too too little too late and then billions is you know like you say the kind of ties it all up i'd say everything going in together i think the sort of first half and a bit of this record i really like Mm. i think it maybe loses momentum and maybe i'm not sure if it's the fact that it loses momentum or the fact that it just it never kicks up into a different gear and like when when it's reminded me of like William Orbit and everything but the girl and <laughs> let me be a fantasy for baby D um but done in a 2023 style of modern pop stroke hyper pop mm. I don't think this is I mean we're going to talk about something again I'm going to do is like is is this hyper pop is it pop like I don't know but, like, but essentially I guess this is you know, kind of slightly minimalist electro um, alternative art pop type thing, right? I'd, I'd say art pop is probably more on the money than like high pop. This doesn't sound like Rosalia because there yeah, are actually yeah, songs yeah. No, here, no, no, aren't no. they? So yeah. yeah, there definitely are. There definitely are. But there's just like, you know, there's bits where you go, this is ambient to the point of like, you know, the baby crying in the background and, and the, the sort of the Twin Peaksie song with the, the that kind of disemboweled voice over the top of it. I was like, I don't know if this is like, this some kind of new this is a super ambient strain of hyper but i don't know i don't know but anyway i think it's good i think it's mm. good this i mean i'd like to say bunny's a ride i think brilliant billions is really good welcome to my island is an opener like those were yeah. the three singles and blood and butter i believe is a single as well that will make sense to me all of that makes sense that they would release those songs you know prior to the record coming out there's bits in the second half where i felt like i was a bit like uh, could do with I'm this kind being of, done now yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of out now mm. i'm kind of out not out but i'm kind of like yeah this isn't quite as good but overall i think it's it's pretty strong i mean it got a fucking 10 in um 
Pop Matters gave it 10 out of 10. Pitchfork gave it 8.7. Pitchfork gave it 8.7. Now, to me, if you're giving Paramore 6 point whatever and you're giving this 8.7, I think you've got that around the wrong way, personally. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I would imagine the Pitchfork thing is just that, you know, Caroline Polachek is a quite a trendy artist for lack of a better word the kind of person that pitchfork readers would really really like so just wait until she gets a bit bigger and then all the pitchfork readers like turn on her because she sold out and gone mainstream and then she'll be getting fours for every album so i don't pay much big credence time. to any of their reviews or their scores so big time big time all right desire i want to turn into you by caroline polachek that is out now let's end with a chat about clutter by Jessica, sorry, not Clutter, Limerence. Limerence. Clutter's the yes. song, Clutter's yeah. the song that I love on it. <laughs> oh, Limerence spoiler. by Jessica Winter, a brand new, yeah, proper spoiler, but <laughs> a brand new EP from the UK-based solo artist who I believe you saw supporting Clipping I... last year. I had that weird dude just <laughs> making a load of, like, crying and hitting his guitar. So I think you... um you won on that yeah, yeah so yeah well as as i reviewed back in november i thought jessica winter was really really interesting um really really enjoyed the music i thought she had an amazing voice and uh as i recall i think my only sort of um not even question mark just sort of comment on it was that um she seemed like quite reluctant um like pop superstar there were moments where you could see her really really coming out of her shell but there were there did seem to be sort of nerves on stage so i was really keen to keep an eye out for any um you know studio material so it was cool to see that this ep has come out um and i basically think that i've been proved right in being optimistic about jessica winter because i'll be honest steve of the three things we're covering this is my favorite this week i really like paramore this is my favorite i think when you get the first song on it choreography that like racing piano and jessica's sweet vocals going over that's that radiant robust pop that i love and it starts off kind of kind of like a bit bubblegum poppy in the maybe Carly Rae Jepsen, Taylor Swift in the early 10s sort of mould as the, the the piano transitions into synthesised keyboards. And then by the time you get to the end of it, it's full fucking thumping electro, a, just cacophonous towering synths, the percussion absolutely pounding at you. I think it's amazing. And then it kind of breaks down and ends on this like vaudevillian style piano jaunt. I think that's great. I'll leave clutter to you. I do think Let Me In, Funk This Up and The Love Song, the three songs uh, that or the, the back half of this EP, I do think suffer from following the two that start it. But I think the, that bubbling, sort of fizzing electro pop on something like Let Me In, that retro futurist synth pop banger feel of it, the fuzzed up bass and histrionic vocals on Funk This Up, which, to be honest, might be my least favourite of the five tracks because I don't think the production is quite as weighty as the rest of this EP gets. Um... The build on the love song, I think, is beautiful. It's a little bit more slight, but it gives time for it to really sort of layer up and build and build and build as a finale. Reminds me of Nine Inch Nails. I know that's a big, big thing to say, but it reminds me of Nine Inch Nails. That is an interesting point. I don't necessarily disagree because it is just that kind of like build and build and build. I suppose it's like a nice version of something like um, Somewhat Damaged. Not quite Mm. as scary, but like it does build in that same way to this absolute just maelstrom of sound. Um, I think it's great. I do think the first two tracks are the best. I'm going to let you talk about Clutter because you seem quite excited. Yeah, well, look, you know, uh, you mentioned Choreograph, which I think is great. I mean, we should say for the record, Jessica Winter has said, Limerence was written during a time when I was trying to understand my relationship to love and my behaviours around it. Love confused me so much. And I think this EP demonstrates that. Simple. Done. There you go. We've got five tracks about love what's all that about do you oh, know what I mean like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah remember that love right, and right you, rubbish you, you brass and fell off when you're on that date <laughs> yeah 
Um, <laughs> that's exactly what this. Does. That's it's definitely not at all. what happened. But like on funk this up, there's a line saying, "Shut the window." I think I think she says, uh, I, I, to "Go back and double check." And I think she says, "Shut the window." I hear birds singing, mm. which is proper. Like that's cool. That's a massive anti-love song song thing to say. I think actually funk this up. Although you're right, I think it is the most minimalist sounding mm. thing on the EP. Um, that just about to funk this up and the variations on that particular hook are really really cool yeah. that kind of electro stabs and plinky piano part to open choreograph kind of eases you in sucks you in and when the vocals come in she's got a classy pop nous here yeah and i think that's again talking about like pop stars and uh, having that thing about them that that makes them seem kind of alien and aspirational in a way like even though this is a I don't really understand the world EP and you can tell that this is I'm not going to go as far as to call it kind of outsider art but I think Jessica Winter is definitely painting herself as someone who is not entirely sure of herself I yeah, think that's kind perhaps, of fair to say right perhaps, yeah. but when she goes for a fucking key change in that song oh, it is fucking awesome the strings that come in the background towards the end as well it just simmers along and then when it bursts into like you say that kind of electro pop massive banger it's it's brilliant i think clutter is so good yeah it is so fucking good that chorus oh, is <laughs> monumental and shout out to Lynx who comes in with a feature verse which is brilliant yeah. and just gives this entire ep like an extra bit of seasoning an extra bit of sizzle to the steak that it didn't have mm. without the inclusion of that clutter is awesome i mean yeah. that is like main stage at reading festival at half past eight as sub headliner to some huge iconic pop act right it is that and you can imagine an entire fucking field full of people going crazy as she closes her set with it it's absolutely wicked um and i think you're right i think the net the other three songs are probably not quite as good let me in i think i think it's it's smart to do something a bit dreamier but that is still quite propulsive. So I don't think, unlike the Caroline Polachek album, which again, no shade on that album no, good at album. all. That's, good a, album. That, that's, a, that's a choice that she has decided to make. But I think, you know, Jessica Winter here does a good thing by going, I'm not going to try and compete with Clutter, but I'm not going to completely let the momentum of this EP fall down. So mm -hmm. you get kind of a propulsive beat, but it's quite a slow beat. It's some other kind of that old school electro pop Um and a little bit of hyper pop. Like, I think it has got a little hyper pop nod without ever being obnoxious. No, it's not 100 I think gex, some of that stuff it? can be obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. And, you know, and I think, again, like, um, I suppose about funk up. Love song, um, the, the last song, is good. I mean, I'm five for five on this. I think it's yeah. the only song that ryth rhythmically speaking kind of drags. It is, it's rather than it being kind of propulsive mm. and locomotive and in your, and, and, and sort of pushing forward it feels like it's a slow beat that sort of again it's not a ballad because i think when you say like oh it's a slow whatever people think oh it's the slow one it's a ballad it's actually not no it's actually not it's more like a kind of a build and a layer and a th and it's kind of and it happens very slowly and it's kind of i'd say it's more methodical than slow and like i say it actually reminds me of nine inch nails there's there's mm. and, and and you know not just the fragile era nine inch nails where that was the, the approach to what Trent was doing, I think as much, you know, the kind of bad witch. Yeah. Um, sort of 
because the sax there's there's sax in there as well isn't there there's that kind of discordant saxophone that comes in over those weird electronic stabs and stuff i really like her i really like the style of this Mm. i really like the sound i like the personality that drives this i like this ep a lot i think it's really really good yep that's what i think this is a release of the week for me definitely i think this is absolutely fucking brilliant i'm going to be listening to this for many 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 months to come basically until jessica winter releases whatever she releases next and then i'll devour that as well hopefully yeah it's good jessica winter currently has seventy thousand five hundred eighty three monthly listeners on spotify so certainly a lot less than caroline polachek mm. um to put that into perspective, Chakadim suppliers have 1,602,287 listeners. Yeah, but I mean, you can't really... 288 now, isn't it? something like that, can you, though? Like, you know, <laughs> no. Priceless. No, you can't. So <laughs> I think we should really try... I mean, Jessica Whitney's obviously is nowhere near as big as... Chakadimus uh, like, or Chaka suppliers. suppliers. Yeah. Paramore have 18 million monthly mm. listeners. And uh, the other artists we spoke about this week, Kajira, have... 1.9 million listeners so if you want to do the the sort of size on it for everyone that we've covered this week it goes if this was a festival bill it would be paramore with gajira subbing them oh lovely then caroline polachek yeah. then chakademus and pliers and then jessica, uh, jessica winter, winter opening but jessica winter would be comfortably the smallest of all of those artists yeah but clutter would be one and of Chaka the best songs of the day <laughs> yeah she'd end with clutter and then chakadim suppliers would have to come on and follow that which they <laughs> would me. with yeah. ease with ease with um with their cover of twist and shout the definitive version of that song if you're asking anyway <laughs> right uh you know what's the old I, true cult pop festival I, brilliant i don't know that i can side with you on that i think in this case rastafari stands alone welcome to jam rock yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm glad you said that. We um we are done. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thank you very much for Bye. listening. That's Clutter by Jessica Winter, by the way. It's not called Clutter. It's no. called Limerence. I like that song that much. I keep calling it Clutter. It's not fucking called Clutter. It's called Limerence. The EP is called Limerence, but go and listen to... I'm listening to all of it. It's only 20 minutes long. Go and listen to all of it. But definitely listen to Clutter. It's a fucking great song. Anyway, see you next week, everyone. Thanks very much for listening. What you got planned for this week, Sam? Got anything good coming up? Sing Gajira, innit, mate? I'll be talking about Sing that next week. Yeah, boy. I, I mean, I might be as well. Let's hope so, eh? Mm. Ooh, if not, See if, if not. Call in a favour with Joe, your mate. Ooh, maybe I will. Um, yeah, okay, good. Well, we'll be talking about Gajira next week again, regardless. And Alien Weaponry. And uh, Employed to Serve. Uh, and Employed uh, to Serve. Yeah. So that should be fun. And we're going to be reviewing new releases from 100 Reasons. Erase Theory, I believe we're doing. Yeah. Maybe. And probably Host, the Paradise Lost Depeche Mode side project band as well. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, looking forward to that. Bit of you in it. Anyway, we'll look. And also, in the meantime, go to patreon.com forward slash truecoppop and you can sign up to listen to our exclusive content. Like I say, Porcupine Tree coming Saturday. David Bowie's Black Star coming midway through the week. And uh, True Crap Pop will be coming, coming at very, you. very soon as well. Muse Simulation Theory will be the next episode. That might go up maybe the week after next. I'll let you know. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Go away now.